Hello, listeners, to the ASI podcast. My name is Russ Shaw. This is season six, episode 28, titling this episode What is my body thirsty for when it's thirsty for masturbation? Actually, no, that's too long, but somewhere along those lines, maybe I'm sensing another sexual needs show coming on. This is the Struts. Here you go. Your eyes follow like a spotlight, two eyes like the sun. Go ahead, keep your distance from me. Soon you're gonna come. ASI, or Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, deals with mature subject matter. It is marked explicit for a reason. You've been warned. Yes, bit of an abrupt ending right there, but uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, ASI has a Spotify playlist, by the way. Um, ASI Podcast Bumps, it's called. If you want to search that on Spotify, you can hear the music in its entirety. Uh, 13 years of bumper music right there. Yeah. On the Spotify playlist. Anyway, uh, what else was I gonna gotta clear some things out of the way here? ASI two four seven dot org is the website for this here uh, endeavor, this here podcast. Uh, check out the website again. That's asi twenty four seven dot org. It's a good way to remember it, but. Anyway, so there's surveys on the uh, website there. I ask you a series of questions. Be the host. Russ Shaw asks you um, nine questions that odds are uh, you haven't been asked before. So that might be fun if you want to check that out. Had uh, somebody fill out a survey recently and uh, didn't finish it. But hey, you could also go back and finish those surveys too if you didn't, if you started one and didn't finish it. And maybe you're curious. I don't know. But yeah, I'd like to use some of that stuff on the show from time to time. You can also be a co-producer by financially supporting the show uh, right there on the website ASI247.org or uh, you can Venmo me at the letter C, Russ Shaw. That's three S's. And or uh, PayPal, it's Russ at ASI247.org. And I'd love to uh, mention names, at least the first name, of listeners who do support the show on the show. That's uh, you co-producing this thing, making it happen. Appreciate you guys immensely. Not to mention, I'd love to hear from listeners. How is this affecting you? What is your story when it comes to sexually compulsive behavior? Uh, Russ at ASI247.org is also my email. Today... Getting right into it, um, going to play some what I call intentional, purposeful audio on the show today to help uh, to help communicate my point. Um, it's this is not really something that new, and I've touched on it in some other episodes. Um, going through Jay Stringer's book, uh, finally finishing Jay Stringer's book, which is awesome, by the way, uh, Unwanted. Um, my friend Seth Taylor's book, Feels Like Redemption. Both of those books had me thinking about this topic and how, yes, you know, listen to your lust. That's some of what I talked about in the last episode um, on sexual fantasies, sexual needs, right? The, how... Um, Basically, I unpack how digging into my fantasies was really helpful in helping me see um, what was blocking me up, right? What was uh, 
keeping me imprisoned even emotionally, even after years of sobriety, um, digging into the, some of those stories and how it affected my, my mental health, my well-being, and feeling more free and, uh, and joyful. All right. So that's the last episode, Sexual Fantasies, and it's two hours and 16 minutes long. I know. I know. But uh, it's good stuff. And a lot of it's uh, my reaction to how incredibly intelligent uh, Jay Stringer is in, in the way he articulated the concepts in his book, uh, Unwanted, uh, and how it hit me, made me emotional. <laughs> right? Not just emotional, but anyway, this episode on sexual needs, I wanted to dig into and hopefully encourage some curiosity around what your body may be thirsty for when you feel the need or the urge to masturbate. All right. Um, What is going on there? Therapeutically, yes, listen to your lust. But I believe that also sometimes for some of us, um, I think our body just wants to take a rest from our, our overactive head. All right. Our minds tend to just run all the time. For me, it's, it gets really difficult. I've been uh, meditation for me is, is something that I've been into and learning how to not see it as a chore is, is difficult. Um, and that's maybe why f- some of the intentional, purposeful audio today is this person inspires me to not see it as a chore. Because as a guy my age, as the odometer miles keep clicking on and the time on the old time clock it keeps uh, increasing, something I've learned in spades is... The, the alternative is, again, my thoughts spinning. Like sometimes even when I'm sleeping, my mind is running just constantly and, and getting a break even in my sleep from that. Um, it, it just feels like I need more cognitive uh, rest. So I've been doing some uh, Research and I posted some of this um, on the website Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection. There's research on how ADHD and, and OCD um, can link to behaviors like sexually compulsive behavior or AKA sexual addiction. And while sexual addiction or sexually compulsive behavior isn't so much a thing for me anymore, my mind running is. And again, I don't want to revert back to behavior mod, okay? Because some of this, again, some of you are going to need to listen to that last episode. Some of you are going to need to pick up my friend Seth Taylor or Jay Stringer's book, um, uh, Feels Like Redemption or Unwanted. For some of you who feel like this is so sticky and it's not going away and it's causing all sorts of trouble in your life and in your thoughts about yourself and you know it's like my friend Seth Taylor said this is you know the fact that it's that stubborn what if it's leading you into a deeper understanding of freedom and grace and peace what if that's what's going on but listen you're gonna have to invest speaking of Jay Stringer's work and (laughs) ASI and theology and yes, to reassure some of my Christian listeners out there that this is a, uh, that I'm still a Christian. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And that I do bring a, a faith-based um, approach to some of these things as well as a psychological approach. Um, but anyway, so Nav Press has selected Unwanted by Jay Stringer as its outreach as Outreach Magazine's Resource of the Year in Counseling and Relationships category. So, yeah, that's that's a pretty big deal uh, for, for you Christians out there listening. And yes, I'm still a Christian too, for the record. Uh, just a very different one than I was even starting this, this endeavor here, the ASI podcast. 
um, you can trust it, right? Hopefully, I don't know for what that's worth. Throwing that out there, I just think that it's uh, it lends some credibility to to Jay's work, um, and it's really encouraging that folks. Because I I'll be honest, I don't when it comes to credibility and uh, Matt Chandler's church now, uh, the Village Church in Texas in the New York Times. Uh, I mean, just from where I sit, there hasn't been a lot of value for behavioral science in Christian counseling. Uh, but but maybe, the, maybe this is changing things. Maybe this is showing me that, hey, Russ, you know, there's still people out there that value good research, um, psychological research, and, and what is actually working out there in the world when it comes to people seeing freedom coming out of the shadows and not living a, a life of secrets and lies and the darkness uh, getting emotionally and mentally healthy, which I think is really important because if most popular theology, Christian megachurches value, actually valued transparency, uh, right? Living in the light as he is in the light, um, they would be doing it, you know, it would, it would just, come naturally instead of talking about doing it they'd actually be doing it and we wouldn't be reading on it about it in newspapers uh, very popular newspapers done by uh, investigative journalists um, discovering the secrets and so yeah I'm sorry man that Matt Chandler story was really I've sent listeners to his church in Texas I've talked about him I respected the man and now uh, just another another one of these Bill Hibbles, Hybels, um, James McDonald, Mark Driscoll, add him to the list. Sounds like, and it's it feels like a punch to the gut. But that's some of why this show is important. <laughs> Learning to just be, you know, just be, not let my mind obsess about it. I go off on Twitter about it. It's so easy to, to let our um, our compulsive, you know, our hurt drive or let our fear drive. Because I've noticed in my own life how we handle stress in our body, all right? Not just in our head, but the way our body carries it has something to do with our unwanted behaviors all right and so one of the questions that came out of me you know through through the work that I've been studying is how much of this is our body actually wanting a break right how much of masturbation is our body saying, I need to get out of my head, right? The head has been driving for too long. Let's bring it down in here, all right? Because I think that, I mean, that's something that uh, sex therapists have said for a long time um, when it comes to the sexual experience. If you're in your head, you're dead, right? Like if you're, you're thinking about the bills, you're thinking about something that's stressing you, you're not going to perform sexually. You're not going to be able to enjoy yourself, not going to be able to enjoy your partner. And when it comes to masturbation, which is something that doesn't require a relationship with anybody, you know, outside of us to do. But when we do that in the context of pleasing ourselves, and no, you know what? I'm not want to introduce uh, shitting on it because it's something you do alone. All right, exploring your body. There shouldn't be shame in that. Just you there with your own body, without outside stimulus. It kind of feels like meditation, doesn't it? It's something that needs our full attention. And again, season six, fixing some of the stuff I said in the past, you know, well, you can't masturbate without uh, fantasy. Um, no, you can. 
And like I talked about in the last episode, I'm not saying fantasies are always bad either. Just exploring one's body, unless you're using pornography, which is outsourcing the fantasy narrative we may be getting into when exploring our bodies. And while the worrying part of our minds may be taking a rest, there's some other neurology that's still very anxious when we're using porn. So maybe that's a, a good first step, right? Just stepping away from porn. If you feel like you can't stop, you can stop using porn. You can peel this back. And you could actually get curious about what you're feeling as you're exploring your own body without outside stimulus. And just being there with yourself. Could you be curious about what that might be like, what that might trigger in you emotionally? And maybe talk to a therapist, a counselor about some of that. And beyond behavior mod, what I'm introducing here is... Our head is part of our body. We're not just a brain on a stick. And sometimes our bodies need some time away. Have you ever just been alone, just been breathing, and felt the need to masturbate? And what if the the masturbation is simply a way to let your body take a break for however many minutes it takes to be out of the head, out of the worry machine that tends to be our thought processes. What if that's what it is? What if our body's needing to take a break from that? And what if meditation without the genital stimulus is a way for us to I mean, people have been doing this for thousands of years. I'm going to leave you uh, in this episode with uh, some audio from a guy named Alan Watts. Now, Alan Watts is a theologian and philosopher, mainly. He's a British-American philosopher. He died in 1973, but a lot of his stuff is on YouTube now. Um, For you Christians out there... I always feel like I need to say this because maybe you have some leader that's telling you, right, oh, he's got you listening to Alan Watts, you know, Um, like I agree with everything Alan Watts says. I say that a lot in this show because I think there's this underlying subconscious attitude of guilt by association, all right? Just because I play something by a person, I mean, I don't agree with everybody on anything, (laughs) So there's that. Um, and, and I think that that's important because the Pharisees did that a lot with uh, a guy named Jesus, uh, guilt by association, right? So throwing that out there. But I'm going to play you uh, play you some audio from, from Alan Watts and maybe encourage you to, to get into some meditation. Um, it's two YouTube clips. I'll post those on Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection, the uh, the Facebook page for this uh, here podcast, if you want to check them out. And there's lots of uh, meditations on, on Facebook, or Facebook, on YouTube as well, if you want to check those out. But And listen, the music in the background, all right, it's not Satan's choir, all right? It's just, it's just you know copyright royalty free um meditation music that's playing in the background towards the end because i've kind of edited this together um this alan watts meditation um and and that's something to think about so what if your body is looking for a an even more relaxing um sensual even You can be sensual without touching your genitals, all right? Sensuality is not necessarily a sexual thing. It is, but it's it's in the rhythms of life as an individual, as a man, as a woman. You're just being alive for some moments. As a Christian, I've talked about how my prayer life has become much different, that I'm using words less, uh, but 
but I, I still use uh, the, this prayer. You may have heard of it, right? Um, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth it is as it is in heaven. And then, and then I breathe, and then I breathe, all right? And I just breathe that in and breathe that out. And then I go on to the next verse. But beyond my prayer life, this has helped me uh, with my blood pressure. So I talked about how I went through a year's worth of trauma therapy. And part of that trauma therapy was I was on a antidepressant called Tritilix. And one of the things that Tritilix does is it lowers your sodium levels. Um, now, I've been off that med since January uh, but truth be told, uh, a few years ago, I was on three blood pressure meds, um, and now I'm on one that I take before I go to bed. And recently, I went to the doctor, and they said, yeah, your blood pressure's still good, you know. And I credit a lot of this, like, this, is, this has helped me just be, and not just be in my head, but be in my body and be mindful of what's going on in my body. Because sometimes, I, you know, I'm so reactionary. I'm sitting in traffic. I can't, I can't control anything that's going on. But I'm, my body feels like it can by getting upset and getting angry and shouting at other drivers. And now I see it as an exercise. All right. As a way to just be. I'm there with other humans in a city, serving other people, much like a blood cell, you know, in, in a freeway of veins that are carrying humans throughout the city. I, I think about these things, but more than thinking about it, sometimes I just sit in it and I just be. And as you listen to this and whatever you're doing uh, right now, maybe you're at home, uh, maybe you're driving, maybe you're commuting. Uh, this is something that you don't just need to do while you're laying there quiet on your bed or something. I mean, that's, that's healthy too, but you can do this anywhere, all right? And as long as you're alone without other humans trying to have conversations with you or get your attention, you know, that, that might be hard. But take some time to go for a walk or something um, and, and, and just be. What if that is some of what our bodies are craving? What if that's what we need is to listen to our body talk? much like that song, right? Here you go. This is Alan Watts. Now, it's amazing what doesn't exist in the real world. For example, in the real world, there aren't any things, nor are there any events. That doesn't mean to say that the real world is a perfectly featureless blank. It means that it is a marvelous system of wiggles in which we describe things and events in the same way as we would project images on a Rorschach blot or pick out particular groups of stars in the sky and call them constellations as if they were separate groups of stars. Well, they're groups of stars in the mind's eye in our system of concepts. They are not out there as constellations already grouped in the sky. So in the same way, the difference between myself and all the rest of the universe is nothing more than an idea. It is not a real difference. And meditation is the way in which we come to feel our basic inseparability from the whole universe. And what that requires is that we shut up. That is to say that we become interiorly silent and cease from the interminable chatter that goes on inside our skulls. 
Because, you see, most of us think compulsively all the time. That is to say, we talk to ourselves. And I remember when I was a boy, we had a common saying, talking to yourself is the first sign of madness. Now, obviously, if I talk all the time, I don't hear what anyone else has to say. And so, in exactly the same way, if I think all the time, that is to say, if I talk to myself all the time, I don't have anything to think about except thoughts. And therefore, I'm living entirely in the world of symbols and I'm never in relationship with reality. All right, now that's the first basic reason for meditation. But there is another sense, and this is going to be a little bit more difficult to understand, understand why we could say that meditation doesn't have a reason or doesn't have a purpose. And in this respect, it's unlike almost all other things that we do, except perhaps making music and dancing. Because when we make music, we don't do it in order to reach a certain point, such as the end of the composition. If that were the purpose of music, to get to the end of the piece, then obviously the fastest players would be the best. And so likewise, when we are dancing, we are not aiming to arrive at a particular place on the floor, as we would be if we were taking a journey. When we dance, the journey itself is the point. When we play music, the playing itself is the point. And exactly the same thing is true in meditation. Meditation is the discovery that the point of life is always arrived at in the immediate moment. And therefore, if you meditate for an ulterior motive, that is to say, to improve your mind, to improve your character, to be more efficient in life, you've got your eye on the future and you are not meditating. Because the future is a concept. It doesn't exist. As the proverb says, tomorrow never comes. There is no such thing as tomorrow. There never will be. Because time is always now. And that's one of the things we discover when we stop talking to ourselves and stop thinking, we find there is only a present, only an eternal now. It's funny then, isn't it, that one meditates for no reason at all, except we could say for the enjoyment of it. And here I would interpose the essential principle that meditation is supposed to be fun. It's not something you do as a grim duty. The trouble with religion, as we know it, is that it is so mixed up with grim duties. We do it because it's good for you. It's a kind of self-punishment. Well, meditation, when correctly done, has nothing to do with all that. It's a kind of digging the present. It's a kind of grooving with the eternal now. And brings us into a state of peace where we can understand that the point of life, the place where it's at, is simply here and now. way to get into the meditative state is to begin by listening. If you simply close your eyes and allow yourself to hear all the sounds that are going on around you, just listen to the general hum and buzz of the world as if you were listening to music. Don't 
try to identify the sounds you're hearing. Don't put names on them. Simply allow them to play with your eardrums. And let them go. In other words, you could put it, let your ears hear whatever they want to hear. Don't judge the sounds. There are no, as it were, proper sounds or improper sounds. And it doesn't matter if somebody coughs or sneezes or drops something. It's all just sound. And if I am talking to you right now and you're doing this, I want you to listen to the sound of my voice just as if it were noise. Don't try to make any sense out of what I'm saying because your brain will take care of that automatically. You don't have to try to understand anything. Just listen to the sound. As you pursue that experiment, you will very naturally find that you can't help naming sounds, identifying them, that you will go on thinking, that is to say, talking to yourself inside your head automatically. But it's important that you don't try to repress those thoughts by forcing them out of your mind, because that will have precisely the same effect as if you were trying to smooth rough water with a flat iron. You're just going to disturb it all the more. What you do is this. As you hear sounds coming up in your head, thoughts, you simply listen to them as part of the general noise going on, just as you would be listening to the sound of my voice, or just as you would be listening to cars going by or to birds chattering outside the window. So look at your own thoughts as just noises. And soon you will find that the so-called outside world and the so-called inside world come together. They are a happening. Your thoughts are a happening just like the sounds going on outside. And everything is simply a happening. And all you're doing is watching it. Now in this process, Another thing that is happening that is very important is that you're breathing. And as you start meditation, you allow your breath to run just as it wills. In other words, don't do at first any breathing exercise, but just watch your breath breathing the way it wants to breathe. And notice a curious thing about this. You say in the ordinary way, I breathe, because you feel that breathing is something that you are doing voluntarily, just in the same way as you might be walking or talking. But you will also notice that when you are not thinking about breathing, your breathing goes on just the same. So the curious thing about breath is that it can be looked at both as a voluntary and an involuntary action. You can feel on the one hand I am doing it and on the other hand it is happening to me. And that is why breathing is a most important part of meditation because it is going to show you as you become aware of your breath that the hard and fast division that we make between what we do on the one hand and what happens to us on the other is arbitrary. So that as you watch your breathing, you will become aware that both the voluntary and the involuntary aspects of your experience are all one happening. Now that may at first seem a little scary because you may think, well, Am I just the puppet of a happening, the mere passive witness of something that's going on completely beyond my control? 
Or on the other hand, am I really doing everything that's going along? Well, if I were, I should be God. And that would be very embarrassing because I would be in charge of everything. That would be a terribly responsible position. The truth of the matter, as you will see it, is that both things are true. You can see it that everything is happening to you. And on the other hand, you're doing everything. For example, it's your eyes that are turning the sun into light. It's the nerve ends in your skin that are turning electric vibrations in the air into heat and temperature. It's your eardrums that are turning vibrations in the air into sound. And in that way, you are creating the world. But when we're not talking about it, when we're not philosophizing about it, then there is just this happening, this... Uh, and we won't give it a name. Now then, when you breathe for a while, just letting it happen, and not forcing it in any way, you will discover a curious thing, that without making any effort, you can breathe more and more deeply. In other words, supposing you simply are breathing out, and breathing out is important because it's the breath of relaxation, as when we say, and heave a sigh of relief. So when you are breathing out, you get the sensation that your breath is falling out. Dropping, dropping, dropping out with the same sort of feeling you have as if you were settling down into an extremely comfortable bed. And you just get as heavy as possible and let yourself go. And you let your breath go out in just that way. And when it's thoroughly comfortably out and it feels like coming back again, you don't pull it back in, you let it fall back in. Letting your lungs expand, expand, expand until they feel very comfortably full. And you wait a moment and let it stay there. And then once again, you let it fall out. And so in this way, you will discover that your breath gets quite naturally easier and easier and slower and slower and more and more powerful. So that with these various aids, listening to sound, listening to your own interior feelings and thoughts, just as if they were something going on, not something you're doing, but just happenings, and watching your breath as a happening that is neither voluntary nor involuntary, you are simply aware of these basic sensations, then you begin to be in the state of meditation. But don't hurry anything. Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about what progress you're making. Just be entirely content to be aware of what is. Don't be terribly selective, particular, say, I should think of this and not of that. Just watch whatever is happening.
You're still here. That's awesome. Till next time. This is the end of the show. That's what that means. Bye.